Amen. Let's take our Bibles, please, turn to Mark chapter 1. Young people, you are dismissed. Mark chapter 1 this morning. And uh, I do appreciate your prayers over the last couple weeks. And I got that bug that everybody had, and then I got COVID on top of it. And, and I'm feeling much, much better. I just, I sweat all the time. And uh, so I'm still fighting it a little bit. And I, I was glad to hear my voice was back this morning. And so... I appreciate your continued prayers, but just as a reminder, it's, I'm not the only one that's had this. Everybody's getting it. So you look around, and we're very sparse this morning, a lot of people away. So pray for one another, lift up one another before the Lord, and just pray that it seems like it takes a while for your strength to come back. And just kind of, you know, I'm going home for a nap. I'm ready for a nap now. How about you? And uh, we'll, go, we'll go in a minute. But uh, some of you get your nap during the preaching anyway. Mark chapter 1, uh, I'm not going to start Christmas today, we'll wait till next week for that, I have a four week um, message series that I want to uh, do for Christmas called His Name Shall Be, and uh, that's the title of our Christmas cantata this year, and we'll take the four weeks, and uh, each week, will, the first week will be from Isaiah 9 verse 6, Wonderful Counselor. We're going to look at those two words. And then the next week, we're going to step away from Isaiah 9, 6, because it is our Christmas cantata. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And I want you to pray about that message in particular, because it is our Christmas cantata, Saturday night and Sunday morning. And Lord willing, that people will hear the message of salvation that comes through the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the precious name of Jesus. And one day, whether they like it or not, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The third week, we'll talk about, uh, we'll go back to Isaiah 9, 6. We'll talk about mighty God and everlasting Father. That speaks of his deity, his deity. And then finally, we're going to look at, on, on Christmas Sunday, we'll look at the Prince of Peace on that last part of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And so I'm looking forward to that, and I pray that, ask that you pray with me about those messages, especially our Christmas cantata. Let me, let me uh, if I can, have you take special notice of our calendar over the next month. And so you'll have a bulletin uh, today. You can pick one up if you didn't get one. Isaiah, uh, so our calendar for the next month is important, and we want you to make note of it. Two weeks from this weekend, we will have our Christmas cantata. As a matter of fact, two weeks from right now, I'll probably be preaching and closing out the Christmas cantata or we'll just be finishing up the singing. And so that'll be December 10th and 11th. And that December 10th is at 6 p.m., December 11th at um, our normal time at 10.30 a.m., all right? We will not have Sunday school that morning, all right? We want you to focus on your visitors. We want you to make sure they get to church that day. Our choir needs to warm up and different things that day. And, and, and so many of our workers that are in Sunday school are in choir or they're in, uh, in the, the audiovisual. And so we just need to give them that special time. So 10.30 that day will be our only service. And then our Sunday evening service, of course, I shouldn't say our only service, 5 o'clock Sunday evening. But uh, 6 o'clock on the 10th and 10.30 a.m. on the 11th. Now let me ask you to do this. Is Kelvin still in here? Kelvin Baker, wave at me, yell. He's in the side room. All right. Cody, are you still in here? Did he go up for junior church? Kelvin. All right. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Okay, you guys, I want you to get the, the Christmas cantata flyers, all right? And count, listen, count out 40 and put a rubber band around them and then stack a whole bunch more stacks and put stacks of 40, all right, and put rubber bands around those and put them out on the Lord's table. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. If everybody in here would take 40 invitations and hand them out over two weeks, that's only 20 a week. That's only a few a day. All right, give them to the checkout lady, give them to, uh, you know, wherever. Some of you are going to do Christmas shopping, right? And so just take them and hand them out, go to the restaurant, leave it with your tip. Listen, don't leave a 50-cent tip if you're going to put a gospel track from Bethel Baptist Church. 
all right? Be generous, it's Christmas time. And, and if everybody in this room gave out 40, we'd have 5,000 invitations out in two weeks. It's, it's just that simple. And so, you know, we have these saturation Saturdays, and folks, I know you're busy on Saturdays. It's hard to get you out. Uh, but if you would just do this, that would help us and invite them, give them to your friends, your neighbors. Uh, even if you just said, I'm going to do my street, I'm just going to go up and put them in the mailboxes of my neighbors in my street. That would be a help. And so let's do that. The guys will have the mud on the table for the end of the service. Take 40, one stack with a rubber band each. And if everybody did that, we'd have them out in no time. So that's December 10th and 11th. December 25th is Christmas Sunday. Uh, I want you to mark the time on that. We're going to have a 945 service. That's a little different, isn't it? So that's our Sunday school hour. So we're going to meet in here during our Sunday school hour at 9.45. It'll be a little bit longer. We won't be done at 10.30, but we hope to be done by about 11 o'clock. All right? Because there's a lot of people that say, well, I can't come because I got a dinner I got to be at. If we're done by 11, you can still get to your dinner. How's that sound? All right? So we want to have a 9.45 service that day from 9.45 to about 11 o'clock, about an hour and 15 minute service. That's on Christmas Sunday, and there'll be no evening service that week. All right? On New Year's Day... New Year's Day, we will have our 9 to 45 Sunday school class. We'll have 11 a.m. morning church service. And then we're going to have a Sunday night connect. All right? So every connection group is going to have an activity of some sort. And you will have a devotion at that activity. That'll be your evening preaching service. Okay? And so you'll go to somebody's home. You'll come here to the gym. You'll go to the olive room, wherever your class is. And so in the next couple of weeks, those, the classes are all going to submit their plan. It'll be put in the bulletin. And you'll know what food to bring. And so you may, you may have Sunday morning service and be done at noon. And then you might have a potluck lunch and have a game time. And you'll be done for the day. You know, others may say, well, well we're going to meet at 5 o'clock. And we're going to do this and have some, uh, some singing, and we're going to have some preaching together. You say, well, I don't like going to those things because I don't like the preaching. You may get asked to preach, all right? So don't, don't say you don't like the preaching because you might get asked to preach and, and to bring the devotion that night. So uh, just mark your calendars for all those things. So January 1st, there'll be no evening service here at the church, but we'll be meeting in our connection groups that night and having some fellowship and some games and some preaching together, and it'll be a great night uh, to get to know one another, all right? So let's look tonight, Mark chapter 1. This is my pre-Christmas message, pre-Christmas. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I honestly, I, I enjoy Christmas. I really do. I love Christmas. I love resurrection. That, that's a lot easier to preach because there's only a few chapters on Christmas, and after 28 years of preaching, it just, boy, it's harder and harder all the time. And so I try not to rush into Christmas to kind of shorten the, the time I have to preach on Christmas, but this, this year... I want to give you a pre-Christmas message entitled, Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord. Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord. You know, John the Baptist was sent as a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ to do just that, to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, as we read in Mark chapter 1, we will find that this is not during the Christmas season. This is some 30 years later when the, John the Baptist comes on the scene and he begins to preach the coming of the Messiah and he's preparing the way of the Lord. But in some senses, is that not what we are doing? As we decorate and we prepare for family time and we get our, our grocery spot for the meals and all the rest, I, I want you to remember something today and I want to mark it in your minds as we enter into the month of December later this week. We ought to prepare the way of the Lord. We prepare for everything else. Let me just take a survey this morning. Who by show of hands have their Christmas tree up already? Oh, several have their Christmas tree up. So... How many of you have done some Christmas shopping? Not me yet. 
A few have. We never did Christmas shopping all that early until we got a grandbaby. And then I, I didn't realize, and I said to my wife something about Christmas shopping. I said, well, I don't care about all the rest, but let's get Theo some stuff, right? And she says, oh, Christmas shopping for Theo's done. And I said, and she'd been shopping for months. She'd been putting things away, and every time she saw something. But we, we prepare for Christmas. How many of you have done some baking already and put it in the freezer? Some cookies and things. I, I think there's, there ought to be a rule around the church that there ought to always be baking in the, in the kitchen. I think that's just a rule. So we've done some Christmas baking. We've done some Christmas shopping. How many of you were brave enough to go Black Friday shopping? Crazy, isn't it? People going wild for just those savings and to save a little bit of money. Well, the point is, is we prepare for a lot of things. Can I suggest to you this morning, we ought not miss preparing the way of the Lord. We have the greatest story to tell. We have the greatest message known to man. And we ought to be willing to sacrifice our own personal comfort and our own. Uh, it is sometimes difficult to step outside of the box and tell our friends about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's sometimes difficult to put a gospel track in a card because we're wondering if that'll damage a friendship or what those people may think of us. But friends, John the Baptist had no such fear. He boldly proclaimed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want you to notice a very simple message from Mark chapter 3 this morning. And I, I really, or Mark chapter 1, and I really probably should have preached from Mark chapter 3, or Luke chapter 3, but I, I, I wanted it to be very simple and to the point, and Mark is very concise. And so let's look together in Mark chapter 1. The Bible says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and a wild honey. This identified him with the Old Testament Elijah and, and being a prophet. Verse 7, And preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Heavenly Father, help us today. Lord, I need strength. And I pray, Lord, that in my weakness you'd be made strong. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to see how important it is for us to keep Christ the very central figure in Christmas. Lord, we'll go into the store today and tomorrow and this week, and we'll see Santa and his elves everywhere and candy canes, and Christmas trees, and lights, and glitter. And Lord, I dare say that in many places in Simcoe, we won't see any mention of Jesus Christ. But Lord, I pray that they would never look in Bethel Baptist Church and fail to see Jesus. I pray that they would not look in our homes. But Lord, in order for that to be a reality, it must be Intentional. We have to decide in our hearts today, we're going to prepare ye the way of the Lord. 
that we're going to make his path straight, that we're going to allow him to be seen in our lives and in our homes and in our celebrations. As a father, we do celebrate the birth of the coming Savior. And we, we are so grateful that you loved us so much that you sent your son. And Lord, the Christmas story is an amazing story that unfolds before us each year. And Lord, I pray that we would keep that very thing central in our lives. Help us to exalt the name of Jesus. So Father, I surrender to you and I ask that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. Clarify my mind and my heart and my thoughts. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to look this morning for a few moments, if we could, about how John the Baptist prepared for the coming of the Lord. You know, as I said just a moment ago, we do a lot of things in preparation for those that are coming. Some of you will clean your house only when you've got visitors coming. How many of you are like that? Go ahead and raise your hands. Husbands, don't you raise your hand for your wife. But it's true, isn't it? We fluff stuff and we get things ready. I can't imagine what would happen if I were to hear that well, now she's passed, but if the Queen of England were to visit in her lifetime, how we would roll out the red carpet and how we would change things in our homes and we would make sure it is clean and, and put away. I, I remember at, at times in our lives where, where even certain guests were coming over and we were putting things away and, and saying, get rid of the toys and, and we don't want people tripping over things and we got to fluff stuff and make it look nice because we prepare for special guests. John the Baptist came to be that one who was the forerunner of the Christ, to prepare ye the way of the Lord. And from his life, we see some things that will help us prepare for the coming of the Lord. And we notice, first of all, his preaching prepared for his coming. His preaching prepared for his coming. Look, if you will, in verse 2. The Bible says, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. As we consider what John the Baptist was saying, it was not just some preaching message and it wasn't just something that was taken from prophecy that, that fulfilled that the messenger would come and say, prepare ye the ways of the Lord and make ye the path straight. And we'll look a little bit more at that in the book of Luke in a moment. But there was something specific about his message. When the Bible says, make the path straight, this was something that the Romans would understand. You see, the Romans were the ones that built a great system of highways and roads. And the purpose for those roads was not for the common man to get from place to place. It wasn't even necessarily for those who were traitors to, to, to uh, further their commerce and try to help the kingdom. But they had one purpose in mind. The purpose was so that when royalty went from place to place, they could be seen. They were to make the path straight so that there was no great effort on the part of royalty. That the way has repaired. In today's vernacular, we might say, well, let's roll out the red carpet. Let's make it a special uh, uh, entrance for this, this royalty or this king or this, this premier or this prime minister or whoever it might be, this one who is of, of noteworthiness. Let's make the way special. And so the Roman Empire spent many days building and many years uh, leveling their valleys and building up their roads so that they would have a proper walkway for royalty to enter any city upon. Herod would 
understand what that was about. And the Caesar would come from place to place and visit his domain. And, and he would ride upon these wonderful roads that were built. So when John the Baptist stood before the people and said, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make the path straight. Everybody knew that royalty was coming. Somebody special was coming. So when John the Baptist preached, he spoke first of his royalty. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 5, it describes in greater detail the process. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways shall be made smooth. Great pains were taken to welcome royalty. I would imagine there was places that the Roman emperor would not go until proper roads were built. He was not going to bounce around in the back of a carriage through some rough terrain, but instead he would wait until a road was built and improvements were made and the valleys were brought high and the mountains were brought low because there was pomp and circumstances that must follow him. Make no doubt about it when John the Baptist used these very words, Everybody said, who is this that is coming? This must be royalty. This must be a king. And in fact, he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, what an attention getter. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we were to stand in the public square today and we were to stand with the voice like John the Baptist and to proclaim the coming of the Lord if we were to go to our city planners and say, here's what we must do, and we must tear down these certain buildings that are in the way in the town square, and we must build a royal uh, place for him to sit and a throne, and we must prepare for it, they would say, you're crazy. I'm sure they called John the Baptist crazy. And yet many came because he preached the coming of the Lord. It was his royalty. Not only that, his preaching prepared for his coming, it, it prepared us for his royalty, but it prepared us for his revelation. There was another reason that the Roman soldiers in the Roman kingdom would build their roads in such a way. And you'll remember from Luke chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says they would make their valleys high and their mountains low. They would, can, you, can you imagine the effort that took? We, we think of today about filling a, a landfill and how much fill it takes and how many truckloads. And, and, and I, I remember uh, coming up Highway 24 one day and they were building the gun club over on the, water, uh, the Waterford Gun Club over on Highway 24 and truckload after truckload after truckload because they had to build a giant burn so that if somebody fired a gun, it would land in the dirt and not hurt anybody. Makes sense. I couldn't believe the hundreds of trucks that were in line waiting to turn into that place. The Bible says that the Roman Empire, that's what they did. They made the valleys high and the mountains low. And you say, why would they do that? It's not just about the terrain and it's not just about uh, making it an easier passage. Here's what it's about. It's so that they might be seen. They may not do it for the 70 or 80 miles between cities, but they would certainly do it for the last couple miles. So as they rode into the city with pomp and circumstance, it would be a great royal parade and they could be revealed People could stand upon the walls of a city and they could see the king was coming. And they could rejoice as he returned. John the Baptist with these words was saying, I'm here to show you somebody. I am pointing people to Jesus Christ. I want him to be revealed. 
You know, sometimes at Christmas, I think we, we hide the Lord Jesus Christ with all the glitter and the streamers and the Christmas trees and the decorations. It was last year I was in Canadian Tire and I was purchasing something and I, I said to the cashier, Merry Christmas. And she gave me a dirty look. She says, we say holiday or happy holidays here. And I turned, and just as I turned, I saw the giant sign on the wall that said, Canada's Christmas Store. And I thought, well, your boss is okay with it. But just the phrase, Merry Christmas, has become so offensive. I think it's time that judgment starts at the house of God. Hey, the world is always going to act like the world. But we need to be as bold as John the Baptist and proclaim that Christ has come. And we need to let the world see that child in a manger. One of the things I'm thankful for here in Simcoe is that we do have the Christmas panorama. Because that big giant manger scene sitting right out there at the road. Jesus is the light of the world. And the Bible says, but the darkness comprehended it not. But it is our job as Christians, the Bible says, let your light so shine. That they may see your good works and they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. This Christmas, let me challenge you like John the Baptist, not only do we make a big deal about his royalty, but may he be revealed in our lives. May we make the valleys of our lives high and the mountains low so that he can be seen. A friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, started a church many years ago. And they had a little girl, just a little at the time. and The church... Everybody in the church would buy that little girl a Christmas gift. Every last one of them. And he says, we'd have our Christmas tree. And he said, we'd have gifts coming out. And he said, we'd have 100 gifts for that little girl. And he says, the first Christmas we thought, man, not wonderful. The church loves us. He says, we opened all those gifts. And he says, the next year the same thing happened. And we said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let her open two. And the rest, we're going to take the needy little girls and not even open them, just here's a gift. Here's a gift for three, four-year-old little girls. He says, it was embarrassing for us to even take a picture of her opening a gift with this pile of gifts. Because he says, that's not what Christmas is about. And here's what he said. I looked in that pile and I thought, where do I see Jesus? I see a tree and I see gifts And I see the spirit of giving Christ gave. He says, I don't want my little girl growing up thinking this is what it's all about. Anything I can get. Instead, I want it to be about Jesus. He was thankful for his church and he didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But he just understood what it could do to his child. To think that she was entitled to all these things. Christmas is about revealing Christ. Luke chapter 3 and verse 6 says this. You remember I read verse 5, Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough way shall be made smooth. Why? And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Hey, if we could just stop preaching right now, that's our mission. That's it. That in the next month, you have an opportunity. 
Anytime somebody says Merry Christmas, you can say, do you know what Christmas is about? It's about Jesus shall save his people from their sins. Have you trusted Christ? You can hand them a gospel track. You can invite them to a Christmas cantata. You can do something to reveal that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and that you put your faith in him. His preaching prepared for his coming. But I want you to also next notice secondly in Mark chapter 1, his preaching pictured a cleansing. His preaching pictured a cleansing. Look at verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him at the all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. As John the Baptist preached about the coming of Jesus and his mission was to prepare the way of the Lord, he was speaking of a spiritual kingdom. You know, the Jews all thought that Jesus was coming and he was the Messiah and that he would set up this earthly, physical kingdom, but they rejected him. And John, I believe, was preaching about a spiritual kingdom. So he says, when you prepare ye the way of the Lord, he says, here's something you need to do. You need to repent. It's not about your home being ready. It's about your heart being ready. I remember years ago, we invited a lady over for lunch and a couple of the older ladies in the church. And the one said to us, she says, I'll come on one condition. And we said, what's that? She says, I don't want a roast beef dinner. I don't want a turkey dinner or ham dinner, whatever. I think it was just folks that maybe didn't have family and it was Christmas season and we had them over. She says, can we just have tea and sandwiches? Because here's the thing. She says, you're going to spend a day cooking and two or three hours cleaning up after and she says, we're not going to get to fellowship. She says, could we just sit and have some sandwiches and fellowship and have a good time? I said, yeah, we can do that. She said, what she was saying is, I don't want you to prepare your home. I want a piece of your heart. I think that's what Jesus wants too. It's not about preparing a home. It's not a physical abode he's talking about here. He's talking about a spiritual one. And notice what he says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And he says, he came preaching, and this, this was a picture of cleansing. So first of all, we see a purifying. John preached the baptism of repentance, and this baptism that John preached was a takeoff from the Jewish cleansing ritual. Every synagogue in Israel had a mikvah, and it has some very specific rules. A mikvah was a cleansing pool that was outside the synagogue. Now, it had to be standing water. It could not be running water. I don't know why. It just could not be running water. There was only very few exceptions in the Bible. We see that somebody was baptized in running water. But there was, there, it must be still water. And secondly, it'd have to have a certain percentage of natural water, which means it came from the rain or the ocean or a river. They had to truck this water in somehow. I don't know why that was, but that was the rules that the Jews had. Now, when somebody came to cleanse themselves before they go in the temple, it depended on the level of their sin. Some might just have to go and wash their hands. And understand that when they washed their hands, that did not cleanse them from sin. It was ceremonial. It was a picture, just like our baptism is a picture of what has taken place in the heart. They're saying, I have, I have sinned with my hands, and so I will wash my hands. 
There were other types of cleansings and there was some that would climb right in the pool and they would immerse themselves fully. There was others that would stand in the pool and they'd be sprinkled upon by the priest or they'd be poured upon by the priest. But John the Baptist didn't do any of that. The word baptize here means to, to fully immerse. And he says, when you repent of your sin, you have to be all in. You have to be washed clean. You have to be purified in your heart and in your soul. So think about this. As we prepare the way of the Lord this Christmas, how's your heart? Is it pure? Is it cleansed? Is it made right? Some things would only require perhaps a hand washing. But if I know my heart, I need an entire cleansing. We see that it was a cleansing of the heart but it was also a creation of a home. It was specific for the entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into one's life. You understand this, that before you can know Jesus, you must repent. Repent ye therefore likewise or perish. Luke 13 verse 3 is the preaching of the gospel. We must turn from our sins and trust in Jesus Christ to wash away our sins. That doesn't mean we are perfect Somebody said this, repentance is, is before I was saved, sin used to, I used to chase after sin, but now that I'm saved, sin chases after me. I've turned away from it and I'm doing my best to live for Jesus Christ, but there's a moral conscious decision in my life that I'm going to live for Jesus and by his spirit and by his strength, I'm going to try to live godly in Christ Jesus, a holy life. So it's a cleansing of the heart, but it's also the creating of a home spiritually that Jesus might enter in. So his preaching pictured a cleansing. But it wasn't just a purifying, it was also a profession. Notice that this commitment of cleansing the heart and preparing for the coming of the Lord was made publicly. It was a spirit-led decision. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, about John the Baptist, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. The Bible says John the Baptist came preaching in the fullness of the Spirit of God, surrendered completely to him. If I were to preach a side message, you'll notice that he was not to have wine or strong drink. I don't know why that's connected so closely to the filling of the Spirit of God, but it is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But it was a Spirit-led decision. These people came to John the Baptist, they were under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and they would make a public profession of their faith. This was not a baptism that we baptize in the local church today. This was not a baptism unto salvation, but this was a public profession that I have repented of my sins, and I am preparing my heart to receive the Messiah that is coming. Have you done the same? It was a public profession. It was a spirit-led decision, but it was not a shameful decision. The people simply realized that in the light of the Lord's appearing, they were not ready. I wonder today, if the Lord Jesus Christ were standing at this door about to enter in this room, how many of us would rejoice but how many of us would say, no, I'm not worthy. I can't look upon him. My sin aches me to my soul. 
That's what was going on with these people. As John the Baptist preached about the coming of the Lord, their sin became so apparent, and they said, we're not ready. And they repented, and they wanted to make it public. We've changed. We want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Are you ready? Have you prepared the way of the Lord? And finally, just simply this. His preaching proclaimed the Christ. His preaching proclaimed the Christ. Turn to Luke chapter 3, if you will. Luke chapter 3. Verse 15. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them, all I, unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm not him, but he is. I am not the light, I am just the lamp. I'm not the Christ. I'm just the bridegroom. I'm just the, the, the one that proclaims the bridegroom. I'm the one that stands. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. And I'm happy for him, but I am not him. I cometh, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and with gather wheat into his garner, but the chaff, chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable, and many other things in this exhortation preached he unto the people. He preached Jesus Christ. And we noticed this morning it was a humble message. It was a humble message. He didn't make it about him. Think about this. There was a time where the people came to John and said, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Are you the Christ? He could have enjoyed that limelight. How many prophets today do we see go out? False prophets. They just enjoy the glory of the congregation. Enjoy that people will bow down before them. That they'll just, just eat right out of their hand. But not John. He says, no, no, I'm not him. As a matter of fact, he gives us a little imagery here. He says, there's one that is coming after me who's preferred before me, whose shoe latch and I'm unworthy to unloose. You've all read that many times. I, I researched it a little bit to find out what it meant. Here's what it means. The most royal king was allowed to ask anything of anybody in the kingdom just as a master would ask a slave. Except there was one thing that was deemed too lowly for even the king to ask and it was unlawful for him to ask. You know what it was? To take off my shoes. Now a volunteer, a slave could go or a servant could go and he could voluntarily take off those shoes and wash those feet as Jesus showed us what a servant's heart looks like. But John the Baptist said, the king will never ask me to take off his shoes, not because I'm too proud, but because I'm too lowly. I'm just not worthy. There are far better men out there that should loose his shoes.
but not me. It was the lowest thing you could ask a person to do. And John said, I'm not even good enough to do that for him. John knew who he was, but he knew who he wasn't. He was just a lamp. He was not the light. He was not the Christ. He was the friend of the bridegroom, but not the bridegroom. He knew exactly who he was, so he preached Christ. It was a humble message. John chapter 1, verse 19, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us, what sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, made straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. It was a humbling message, but it was a heralding message. John the Baptist said this, I'm just simply a herald, I'm a voice. That's it. Do you know the greatest thing you could do this Christmas? Be a voice. The greatest gift you can give would be tell somebody about Jesus. Just be a voice. Be a herald for the Lord Jesus Christ. We will sing about, hark the herald angels sing. They were the ones that burst onto the scene at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and they proclaimed glory to God in the highest. Have you ever thought about that? God's highest glory was reserved for that moment Jesus was born. Glory to God in the highest. The angels, the angels said, we've been glorifying God for millennia, but we want everybody to know this is the highest praise we've ever given because his son, the word, was made flesh. As we come into this Christmas season, it's sure easy to lose sight of Jesus, isn't it? It really is. It's so easy to be so busy. How many of you are already looking at your calendars and are dreading all the things you got to do and all the places you got to go? Some, some of you aren't dreading it because everywhere you go, you're going to eat. You're looking forward to that. And you don't have to cook it, so you're fine, right? Amen. But I'm just thinking, you know, the, the Christmas list, the things you got to buy, the commitments you have to keep, the places you have to go, the friends you have to visit, and, and they're all joyous things, but when they start piling up one on top of another, sometimes Jesus gets left out of the equation. Let me encourage you, Be faithful. Be faithful to the worship of the Lord. Be faithful to the reading of his word. Be faithful to the proclaiming of his name. Let the world know that Christmas is all about Jesus. And as John the Baptist of old, may we have a boldness to proclaim his holy name. This is the time of his coming to earth as a babe in the manger. And yet in the next month, the world is going to try to make it about everything and anything else. They are. Let me say this. If you were going to celebrate in the Muslim world the Prophet Muhammad's birthday and you tried to substitute Santa Claus or an elf or something else along that lines, they would kill you in the street. They wouldn't tolerate that. There was a kindergarten class down in Florida that named their little pet bunny rabbit in the class Muhammad and they nearly bombed the school. They got angry about it and said, that is not going to happen. You're not going to disrespect our prophet by naming an animal after it.
Yet we have Santa Claus and we have the Easter Bunny, all the Christian holidays. We substitute. No, no. Jesus said, I will not share my glory with another. He is worthy of all honor and glory and praise. It's let that be our mission this Christmas. John the Baptist didn't have a long life, but he had a good life. Jesus would say at the end of his life, there was none greater prophet born among women except John the Baptist. Let us boldly proclaim his name. Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, and I pray that you'd help us today. Lord, help us in the next month, Lord, that it be our mission to proclaim the name of Jesus. To make sure that all of our friends and family know that we celebrate as well, but we celebrate because of a Savior that came. to gave his life for our sins. Oh God, I pray that it be the focus of our family, our home, our church. Lord, there's a lot of fun things and a lot of family things that will go along with it. But I pray that it would not be our primary focus. Help us to keep Jesus centered. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Would you commit this morning to prepare you the way of the Lord? The first thing is cleansing, purifying. The people had to repent before they were ready to meet with the Lord. If the Lord were to show up here bodily today, would you be ready? Would we be shamed in our sin? May God speak to your heart. And this Christmas, would you commit, I'm going to preach Christ. I'm going to tell others about Jesus. I'm going to invite them to get tad. I'm going to put a gospel track and a Christmas card. I'm going to do something that lets people know that I'm an unashamed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be the voice of one. And boy, this is a wilderness, isn't it? Spiritually speaking, it's a desert where we live. But I think the whole world is at this point. They call it a post-Christian society. It really is. Thank God for a remnant. But that remnant must stand up and speak with a voice that proclaims only Jesus. Do you know him today? Is there one that said, Preacher, I'm not sure I know this Jesus. I need to have my heart filled with him. I need to know him as my Savior. And we can help you with that today and show you what the Bible says about eternal life. The instruments are playing. If God has spoke to your heart, step out and come to this altar. But would you commit today? I'm going to be clean. I'm going to be pure. And I'm going to proclaim the name of Jesus this Christmas. I'm going to prepare my heart for the Lord's coming. But I want to go out and prepare others as well. 